Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm Josh, and I am joined with my good friend Will. What's up? And the professor, Smoke. Hello. And today we're going to be diving into uh, part two of our Grindhouse double feature, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, last episode, we just talked The Shining, so now we're going to be talking 2019's Dr. Sleep, Stephen King's sequel to The Shining, which I think they actually kind of, like, in, in marketing or something, they, they actually call this movie... Stephen King's Doctor Sleep. So I guess it's kind of some places you'll see it called, you know, Stephen King's Doctor Sleep. Others just Doctor Sleep. But yeah, if you see it either way, and don't be confused, it's the same movie. There's not two Doctor Sleeps floating around. But yeah, I think the uh, I think I, I I forgot to look up the date. I think the the novel came out in 2013, I believe. Yeah, how wow, it has been that far back, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's what it said, 2013. But like apparently, like they they started Warner Brothers started working on a film adaptation like right out the gate. Like, I guess pretty much as soon as this novel was announced that it was coming, I guess they got in on the ground floor, like, you know, as soon as possible, especially uh, so after the success of It. You know, so now I guess then they were all aboard the Stephen King train, although um, this one I'm sure was slightly disappointing at the box office when compared to, like, It and a couple other movies, you know, Stephen King adaptations recently. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into that as we get along here. It's funny how that kind of goes on waves with this, with, with especially <laughs> Stephen King things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what, how, how long did it been before there was a, a you know what would be considered a great Stephen King adaptation before it. it's been a little while yeah I mean we kind of talked about that in the last episode that like you know for me it's like there was a dry spell there where they weren't really all that good you know more often than not they probably weren't going to be very good you know and then came along like 1408 and the mist where it's like all right well now I'm paying attention you know <laughs> these things yeah. have gotten a lot better um <laughs> and how long ago has that been I see that's been a little while yeah, right? between yeah. say between it and mist and 1408's been a number of years as well yeah you're right and and some of them too have kind of gone like you know there's been like the the straight the streaming service kind of stuff too you know like uh yeah stuff for Netflix and Hulu and all that that is, that's been done but yeah it took it i think took it into the stratosphere you know like <laughs> Now, now yes. you like you know probably one of if not the most successful horror movie of all time. You know as far as money. Yeah, I'm that, pretty sure they had no idea that 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 was even going to happen. You know, whenever the first chapter of it came out, that it was going to be as huge a box office smash as it was. Yeah, that just you know it just goes to show you though that you should never know. I mean, just like we've said last episode with The Shining, a lot of people consider it one of the greatest horror movies ever made. You know, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. Meanwhile, uh, box office wise, you know, 
not much and and, yeah. cr- and critically panned at the time and everything so maybe my point is is that maybe dr sleep will kind of be the same like you know didn't necessarily make all the box office bank but you know maybe people will look at this a little differently as time you know 5 10 15 20 years down the road I'm not saying you should compare it directly to the shining but the obvious comparisons right you know the fact that it is a sequel to oh, the yeah. shining but yeah <laughs> not to say that it is equal to the shining just that maybe one day people will look at it a little differently you know with time which uh leads me to uh point out that like um this is the first time i watched this movie this is not the first time for professor and will but will watched the theatrical cut and smoke and i watched the director's cut so um we're going to be talking a lot about the differences between the two uh so i guess we'll kind of label this episode dr sleep director's cut so you know if you haven't watched it yet you might want to go watch the director's cut before you listen to the rest of the podcast because, you know, we're going to we're going to be pointing out the differences and spoiling it. So um, it might be a good idea to go check it out if you can get your hands on the director's cut. And uh, the reason I say that is because it's it's almost pretty much 30 minutes longer. So there are a lot of differences in between the two movies with that. Much, it's not like, you know, an extra five minutes of a deleted scene slid in. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, so, you know. Uh, differences yeah. between these two cuts. See that too, uh, the director's cut. I don't know. The version that, that I have is the uh, 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray. Now, it came with the 4K theatrical cut, but the actual extra disc is the director's cut, but not 4K. It's on a Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, uh, Will, you, ha- are, you have the Blu-ray, but the non-director's cut Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went a little uh, economical on this one, and I got it out of the red box. <laughs> Does it? Did they have the option? They don't have the option, though. In the red box of, of like no, you get no one it was it was just it was just theatrical yeah it was just Doctor Sleep that's, that's all you had the option for oh, okay so yeah, yeah, I didn't really check all the options I know we usually try and get the 4K of something even though I don't I talked about this on the show before even though I don't really like the true 4K effect because I think it's like that soap opera looking effect we still buy the 4K discs anyway and watch it in the you know which I think is maybe a little bit a little bit maybe more quality or higher picture quality than regular Blu-ray I don't know maybe not maybe you just have to put the 4K on and watch it that way to get the full effect but at any rate we always buy the 4ks and uh it, it came as part of that option so i don't know if there's a separate blu-ray disc you can buy out there that's just non-4k blu-ray director's cut or not yeah i'm not sure i mean i did the same thing like i bought the 4k um mm-hmm. uhd and it came with the director's cut on blu-ray which is yeah. honestly which is why i had to watch it on blu-ray because i don't have a 4k <laughs> player right now like i don't have a 4k blu-ray player right now so oh, yeah. uh I was like, well, I plug it in. Like, I'm pretty sure this should still play. Meh, not gonna play. I'm like, what the fuck? Now I gotta. <laughs> now I have to watch the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> just added 30 minutes to my watch time just because I can't watch the damn 4K. But whatever, you know, I'll eventually get around to get a 4K player and because uh, I've got a handful well, you, of movies in 4K. But you don't have Xbox One? Yes, I do. But I've got like the original Xbox One. Okay, gotcha. I don't have like one of the newer versions, so like yeah. uh, mine still, you know, same thing with the. I've got a PS4, but uh, mm. I don't think the PS4s uh, have 4K support because I think I just recently read that like you know the new Xbox, uh, what's it called, Series X, that's coming out later this year, yeah. and the uh, PlayStation Five, they're they're both going to support uh, 4K when they come out. Yeah, later, see, that, that's later. how we watch. We don't even have a dedicated 4K Blu-ray player yet. We just we do, but we do have the Xbox One. Of the newer generation when they had a 4K player. In it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, if I don't break down and buy a 4K player between now and then, I'll definitely have one when uh, one of those, you know, when the new Xbox comes out. Because mm. oh, I, yeah. I usually buy the new Xbox consoles when the new generation comes out. So I'll, I'll probably be getting it this Christmas. But yeah, anyway. So yeah, I was kind of forced into watching the director's cut, which which you know I'm happy about. You know, now that I've watched it, so 
Uh, but we'll be pointing out the differences between the two here throughout the show. So I, I guess, uh, Will, what you've been uh, up to lately? We haven't uh, really done anything over the last few episodes, like, you know, talking about what we've been getting into. So what, what have you been doing? Uh, as far as movies, not, not a whole lot. watched a couple of Marvel films, literally all of them, <laughs> over. Uh, one one or two time. or 20. <laughs> From Iron Man 1 all the way to Avengers Endgame. Let's see. Uh, I got a camper, so uh, I'll be doing a little bit more of that. That's about it. So now you can take your... Uh, you know, your movies on the go with the camper, you know, wherever you're going, you can just watch them right there in the old camper. There you go. Does it got a, is this uh fitted out with like a TV and all that in it? Oh yeah. You can watch even more horror films. Yay. <laughs> now that you've went on a Marvel run, you can go on a, a like a hammer horror run or something, right? Just, <laughs> I watch all the Bloomhouse movies. Yeah. Smoke. What about you? What you've been getting into lately? Since the theaters aren't open, I know um, it's kind of slim pickings. I know. <laughs> right. Now we uh, I caught up on well, I think caught up on all of the Joe Bob Briggs, mm-hmm. not all of them because there's some from a few seasons back, but I still need to go back and watch the ones that are actually still available mm-hmm. on Shutter because you know some of them their contracts over with I guess so those movies are removed so those episodes of, of Joe Bob Briggs are unfortunately not available so some of them I guess I will never see again unless they happen to put it back up there but, which was you know I I think the main movie of all that that was a uh, sort of a it was maybe Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> That's pretty big, I think, for that to be shown. I mean, even though it's on Shutter, it's a streaming service, but still to be shown the way it was, and then it was uncensored, and Joe Bob giving his insight and everything on that. Mm-hmm. So that was a. Uh, I definitely recommend that. And if you even if you think you're too squeamish maybe to watch the full movie Cannibal Holocaust, but you've heard a lot about it, there's that you can actually go on Shutter and watch the Joe Bob's commentary without actually seeing the movie. You know, they have the segments of, of just Joe Bob talking about the movies. We need to get around to watching that one on here. Just for the uh, oh, yeah. the gross factor, if nothing else, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have mentioned it before, and that was one of my back in the high school days, and the like when I was really getting into horror. And the well, it was before high school when I was got into horror. It was about eighty eighty five when I really became like a huge, uh, you know, obsessed fan of horror. Cannibal Holocaust was one of those kind of holy grail movies they were searching for because uh, back then, you know, there's no internet and everything, so I didn't. There's no way to go to it and say, hey, you know. Where can I get a copy of this movie? It, it was never released on home video in the U.S. at all. But so I discovered like the tape trading community, which is you know the gray area of yeah. tape trading, where it was the like a arts. Japanese laser disc or something. They were they were bootlegs, but they were bootlegs of movies you couldn't really find in the U.S. otherwise at the time. The VHS dubs of bootleg of a uh, Japanese laser discs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so yep. yeah, that was one of those movies that was like a holy grail movie. And I finally I finally find it. It's kind of like actually it was sort of a. We'll get into that when we get to the movie, but it was sort of a a letdown because you have this movie hyped up in your head for like years on the search for it and then you finally find it and see it you know that was that first uh taste of what overhypeness can be i guess yeah <laughs> even though i mean i can't love it later you know as far as the filmmaking involved with it and everything yeah i think we talked about that one a good bit back when we uh back all the way back yeah. in episode 10 when we did the green inferno green inferno uh, oh, yeah yeah because yeah, the obvious connection there if you want to hear more on that check it out but hopefully pretty soon we'll be uh watching that one did either of you guys see the invisible man that came out earlier this year oh yes yeah that oh, was yeah. one of the last yeah. ones i was able to see in the theater i think yeah <laughs> before the coronavirus thing hit but. yeah i recently watched that one man that was pretty good and i want yeah, to enjoy that i want to watch that new uh kevin bacon thriller it just came out it's, it, i think it's the same dude that did uh stir of echoes with him years ago oh, okay. um did this one I, I can't recall what it's called right off the top of my head um, it's funny you mentioned stir of echoes because that was one of the other movies that just happened to be i don't know was it with pluto or maybe it was on one of the other streaming services the live stream you know how some of the stations will have live streaming yeah on, yeah on uh, just whatever happens to be on when you turn the channel on mm-hmm. and uh that was on and watching that too so yeah the, the most recent one's called you should have left it's it's pretty cool too now i guess we can talk about this for a second like how 
because the you know the the main movie theaters a lot of them are are still closed you know pretty much nationwide kind of the resurrection of the drive-in from all of this has oh, kind yes. of been the, the positive uh the positive thing that's come out of this right yep because i think they said like some very high percentage of all the uh box office numbers that are being reported right now are from drive-ins and, and there's a few local ones does that really one really one main one around the charlotte area that i think a lot of people go to it's uh about 30 minutes out, give or take, outside of Charlotte. Uh, that one, I know they've been playing like, you know, two kind of like, uh, they, they have three screens, although I think recently they've only been using two of them. And on like one screen, they'll have like two like family-friendly movies. And on the other screen, they'll have like some horror movies or some, um, you know, action, you know, stuff that kids can't watch, rated R type movies. And uh, they've been playing a lot of horror movies lately, not just like retro stuff, but, you know, like recent things, you know, that are getting... Oh, they have been playing retro stuff too, though? Because that's pretty uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, it's I think it's off and on that they've been playing the retro yeah. stuff. I think it's mostly like the family-friendly stuff. You know, they'll show like, mm. I don't know, Shrek and Wizard of Oz on one screen, and then on the other two, you know, the other screen, it'll be, you know, like that new Kevin Bacon movie and something else, you know, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I think it was like a week or two ago. I think they actually had, uh, I think it was like The Goonies and then Back to the Future. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and there was one around here, as a, which we haven't been been out to yet because it's a little bit further, uh, but I know they were playing like Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, something else about that same era, too. I can't think of it. Uh, Jaws, actually, I think. Probably because of the anniversary of Jaws coming up, but they were playing that, too, so. We didn't get to make it out of there, unfortunately, but, but it's cool. I think the drive-in theaters are doing that, too, you know, playing the new movies and throwing some of these retro ones in there that they probably didn't do that much of before. Well, I saw, retro I saw something where, like, I think a lot of, like, AMC and Regal and some of these other companies, like, I think their intention when they do start coming back, you know, hopefully within the next month or so, that they are going to be playing some retro movies. And I think, like, Fathom Events is, like, lined some titles up, you know, to be, <laughs> you know, to show some older movies, you know, until, I guess, until things can kind of quote-unquote get back to normal with you know the newer movies coming out yeah but I'll, I'll just give you for instance right now this particular driving that i'm talking about in the charlotte area this particular weekend they're uh they're showing uh zootopia and uh the first avengers movie on one screen and then on the other screen they're showing that dave batista comedy my spy and uh knives out oh okay um, so it's, it's things like that, you know, but I think they've been yeah. doing pretty well to get back to the point. I, I think they've been doing pretty well during this, like, and they're even showing like concerts and stand up comedy and stuff like that. I mean, like it's a, it's a booming business right now to be in the drive-in business, I guess, until these, uh, <laughs> the regular theaters open back up, which is cool, you know, and, and hopefully maybe oh, we'll yeah. even see somewhat of a resurgence of the drive-in in terms of like, even after this, maybe some new ones yep. will pop up, you know, from all this that, um, people will be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I can just pay a flat rate for a car load and just go in and have a good time, you know? So yeah, that would be awesome. And, uh, you said that it's, it'd be great to see some more of the retro stuff, whether even, whether it's around the month of October, you know, we see a lot of old horror driving type movies would be great. Yeah. So like, like I said, today we come to talk about Dr. Sleep. So I guess, uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and toss the trailer for 2019's Dr. Sleep. was a kid there was a place a dark place they closed it down and let it rot but the things that lived there they come back not many ride the bus this far north you're running away from something? (gasps) 
I'm running away from myself, I guess. Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it The Shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These are the devils. They'll eat what shines. And there you go. That's the trailer for Doctor Sleep. Will this, like I said, this isn't the first time you've watched it, and I think you said you've only watched it the one time. This, this, uh, you didn't watch it this time, right? You watched it a little while back, but it's been a reason. Right. It's been a couple weeks back, but yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I just finished the uh, the book, and oh yeah, I was I was all over it again. I mean, it's kind of hard to match a book when you're when you're like going through you know like comparing the two but i thought the i thought the movie was really good smoke what were your initial reactions when you went and saw it at the movie theater and this time around maybe i guess maybe the differences between the theatrical and directors for you or whatever you know uh, yeah i saw it when it when it first hit theaters which I, I forget how long back that's been now uh, but, uh november 8th 2019 so i know that oh. feels like it was 10 years ago but it was, <laughs> yeah it does yeah Nowadays, it does <laughs> with everything like that's been, been going on but yeah uh, that was only yeah. back in november so yeah i saw it then and uh really enjoyed it i was excited for it this movie when I'd heard about it coming out. Cause uh, you know how it can go either way. You know, some people are against that type of thing, sequels, especially if it's been that many years between them, even if it's original author, right. And there's a resistance there or whatever, but I was excited for this one. When I first heard about the first of all, when I first heard about there being a sequel that Stephen King was writing for it, even though I haven't read the book yet, wish I'd read the book before I'd seen the movie, but right now I can go back and, you know, pick up the movie and just see what kind of what the differences are. Mm-hmm. But uh, I enjoyed it that first time I saw it in the theater. And uh, this time around watching it, watching the director's cut, it had, since it had been that long since I'd seen it back in November, I guess, of uh, 2019. At first, I didn't, I could, I couldn't pick up necessarily all the different aspects that were different between the director's cut and the theatrical cut because it had been so long, and there weren't any like hugely glaring differences. I don't think when I was watching it that I noticed. So, but I enjoyed the fact that it did expand on it. When I looked at what those differences were, I could then I could pick out, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So this wasn't in the theatrical cut, and I think that did it, you know, certain pieces that did add to the movie, uh, watching the director's cut version, so uh, I enjoyed it just as much, if not more, the second time around on the director's cut. This is the first time I've watched it, because I didn't get a chance to go, like, you know, like I said earlier, I didn't get a chance to go to the theater and see it. Like I said, I was kind of forced to watch the director's cut, but I'm glad I did. Now, you know, it'll give me a, a better appreciation for the theatrical cut, and when I finally finish the book, too, you know, you can pick out all the differences and everything. Uh, just like, Will, I'm sure you want to go, you, you will definitely want to go watch the director's cut. 
since you oh, absolutely since you enjoyed this movie and you you've read the book I, I you know yeah you definitely want to go watch this version of it but um and we'll talk a lot about the differences here shortly you know once we get into the movie itself because i i found a list that has you know that pokes out some of the differences because like i said i didn't see the other version so i kind of need some help to point out all right well this this is what i saw but this wasn't in the theatrical cut so you know like I said, if you haven't seen that version, you might be like, well, I didn't see that. What the hell is he talking about? This is why, why I keep saying that. you know. So, Like you said, there's no huge, huge glaring differences. It's just a lot of stuff, different shots that were added in, some exposition, exposition stuff like that, um, that make it that, that point out the differences. So it'll be helpful to kind of go through it, and I'll, I'll point them out as we go along. Like I said, this movie was released November 8th, 2019 by Intrepid Pictures, Vertigo Entertainment, and, of course, distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures, you know, just like uh, the original Shining was 40 years ago. Of course, this movie is rated R for obvious reasons. And on IMDb, it is listed as a drama slash fantasy slash horror. So it's kind of funny that it's in necessarily in that order, right? You know, fantasy before <laughs> horror, but whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fun talking about the genres. We, we break, I think nowadays we tend to break things down into multiple genres more than we used to. You know, back, say, whatever, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it just would be, it's a horror movie, you know. Yeah. Shining. If, if this is funny, it, if this is funny, it's a comedy. <laughs> it's nothing else, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, now, I think we, that's just a sign of the times. We like to subcategorize things yeah. <laughs> as much as and possible the, to put it in the sub-subgenres. Yeah, and the thousand different genres within those genres and everything. Yeah. So it, gets, it gets pretty deep. It's I, I blame Inception. I think they start... <laughs> <laughs> ten, 10 levels yeah, of compartmentalize it all <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the total runtime of this movie the theatrical version is two hours and 32 minutes if that's not enough doctor sleep for you <laughs> the director's <laughs> cut is pretty much exactly three hours with credits and all that so the budget for this movie was 45 million dollars u.s domestic gross in the box office was only 31 and a half million but internationally it made 40.8 million so for a worldwide grand total of $72.3 million, which you'd have, like I said you know, earlier, you'd have to say would be seen as somewhat of a disappointment, especially when compared to, I think I saw somewhere just uh, uh, in 2019, just uh, directly comparing it to It Chapter 2 and even Pet Cemetery, the Pet Cemetery remake. This one was uh, a, a big disappointment. Which is a... Uh... I call bullshit on that one, on the Pet Cemetery. Well, <laughs> you I mean saw as far as you, well, I saw I, this, like, why the hell did that one make more money? Yeah, than, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> it could have something to do with time of year too, you know, because like yeah, th yeah, I think it would probably this. Uh, <laughs> once again, you know, like we usually do, we pull out some of the numbers, and I'll show you this movie, Doctor Sleep, came out the weekend of November eighth. It also opened up with four, you know, fairly big movies that were all number one, two, three, and four in the box office that week. Mm -hmm. Number one was Mid Midway. It made seventeen point eight million. Doctor Sleep opened up at fourteen point one million. So not a great opening, but you know, not the worst, I guess. You know, for this type yeah. of movie. But I'm sure they expected to open bigger than that. Right. Um, number three was Playing with Fire at twelve point seven million. Number four, Last Christmas at eleven point four million. Number five, Terminator Dark Fate. Number six, and this is probably the one that was uh, not probably. This was the one that was kicking ass and taking names at this at this time frame joker yeah oh yeah <laughs> joker made 9.2 million that week but it had already been out for six weeks and it made 313.5 million dollars so <laughs> joker was still raking it in at this time and i think it had, it had had a run where it was like number one for four or five weeks or something up until this point i think right yeah maybe it finally got bounced by terminator dark fate because this was the second week number seven maleficent mistress of evil eight harriet nine zombie land double tap 
and number 10, the Adams family. So sometimes when you frame it, like we've always said, you know, with what else was going mm-hmm. on at the time, sometimes that can contribute, right? So oh, yeah. you're yeah. getting close to Thanksgiving. Maybe people are kind of, you know, this is after Halloween, obviously. So maybe people are kind of ratcheting down on the scary a little bit, you know, and kind of getting towards that holiday movie season, you know, with the bigger movies like Terminator and, uh, you know, uh, Maleficent and uh, a handful of others. And then, you, of course, after you get after Thanksgiving, you know, the bigger movies start coming out. But, you know, that, that could have contributed somewhat, too. And I also yeah. saw somewhere where, like, the length of the movie probably didn't help either. You know, when you're looking down the list of movies and you see this thing's two and a half hours, like, fuck. Well, let's go see Last Christmas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that didn't help matters either. Um, not a flop by any stretch, but not, not the big uh, winner that they, they had probably hoped. That it would mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, considering what it had done, you know, for those two movies, and like we said a minute ago, Pet Cemetery and a handful of others. So I'm sure they were expecting bigger numbers. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe, maybe if, a mirror of the original Shining again. <laughs> yeah, box office wise. Maybe yeah. if it had done done some kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like almost like media blitz, where like maybe they get like some place to start showing the Shining, you know, a couple times, you know, like before mm-hmm. you actually see Doctor Sleep, so I'd, people can kind of really connect the two. Yeah, like do, yeah, a, do so, a double yeah, revisit the Shining first, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was right, pretty much right around this same time, though, was when they did that 4K re-release of The Shining, you know, which we talked about in the last episode briefly. True. They had, like, the Fathom events, you know, like, there was there were limited runs of the 4K, yeah. you know, release pretty much right at the same time. We did get one of those. But, yeah, like you said, it's just one, it was like one or two nights, right, or something like that. Yeah, that's always, yeah, the, that's yeah. always the thing about those Fathom events is that it's usually yeah. only, like, one night. If you're lucky, sometimes it's two nights, like, you know, they did with Rob yeah. Zombie's Three from Hell, you know, where they had, like, a two or three night event but usually it's just one night like all right this random tuesday night go to your local regal or wherever the hell and you can see this fathom event you know so if you don't make it out to seven o'clock you know on a tuesday night then you're just not going to see this you know so not gonna see in the theater. yeah the double you know, and, and maybe maybe this is you know what i was thinking about is you know maybe maybe they do like a blitz like say like on uh like tbs or you know something like that you know where, where, where it gets more eyes on the shining yeah. And, you know, like, like push the entire time that, that, you know, this is brought to you by Dr. Sleep. But that kind of made me oh, think yeah. about uh, about this, though. This is probably somewhat of a victim of uh, like even if they would have done something like that. Nobody sits there and watches like PBS, you know, or, or any like mainstream channel as much as they used to anymore. Like most mm-hmm. people are cutting the cord. You know, skipping commercials, mm-hmm. kind of bouncing around. So I, I don't even know. I don't even know if that would have worked. I'll go. I'll go True. back to the runtime too. Take into yeah. account. Take into account now. Like, look, nerds like us. Well, fuck yeah, I'll go watch a Shining Doctor Sleep <laughs> double feature. Most <laughs> yeah. people aren't going to do that because they don't want to sit there for five or six hours. You know, like that's a that's a commitment there, dude. You know, like it's it's harder for most to do something like that. So you know that that would be tough, but uh, it still would have been cool. And, and they definitely don't do the double features like it used to be a thing back when we were kids. Oh yeah. Even, and it had started to die by then, but that's definitely something you don't see very often anymore. The old double bill, two for one type deal kind of oh, movie. Me personally, thing. I'd love to see, like we were talking about the driving thing, but even at regular theaters, even if it was a Fathom event, having some old school double feature horror thing, you know, or, I mean, I, I don't know how many people would show up for that, but I know I'd be there, if, even if I was the only one in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be like us yeah. three and uh, a couple other goons, yeah. you know, but. It wouldn't be a high a high turnout, but you know nah. it'd be cool for us. It would be cool if they did something like that, say for the Conjuring movies or something. Yeah, 
You know, like you can yeah. watch all the Conjuring Universe movies leading up to the uh, the new one that comes out later this year. Can't or really... they can do the worst horror movie of them all. Manos, The Hand they, they... of Fate? Nope, nope, even worse. They can show all the Batman movies leading up to Catwoman. Oh, God, what? <laughs> <laughs> My next guess was going to be John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. But, uh... <laughs> Look, I love John Carpenter, but that, that thing's a turd. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he he kind of dropped off there for a little yeah. for a while. Maybe he was. I forget. There maybe was a he started slew, slipping. A handful of movies that we've seen. It happens, right? I mean, yeah, I guess they know. all do at one point or another, right? All right, so uh, back to Doctor Sleep. Uh, this was uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, which I think it was also. Uh, yeah, it was also he also wrote the screenplay for this too. So this is definitely his baby, and of course it's uh, based upon the novel by Stephen King, which you know we've talked about a number of times. He is the master, so we don't need to speak much about him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mike Flanagan, he'd probably be best known for uh, this and uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Apparently, he was the writer on that. Um, a lot a lot of it mostly like his writing stuff. Gerald's Game, which was another Stephen King adaptation. Hush, from yeah. back in uh, 2016. Directing-wise, I mean, he, he's directed a, handf- a handful of things, but, you know... I wouldn't say anything like, uh, holy shit, this is crazy, you know, kind of thing up until this point, really. Because he directed Absentia, Oculus, Ouija, Origin of Evil, which there's that pronunciation again. Is it Ouija or Ouija? Who cares? Uh, you know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> Ouija, Ouija, Origin of Terror, or Origin of Evil, sorry. Gerald's Game. Then he directed this, Dr. Sleep. And uh, he also directed uh, all the episodes of The Haunting of Hill House. So he was all about that, too. I don't know exactly what this is. I, I'm just now seeing this as we're talking. Apparently, he is uh, talking about doing a Halloran movie. I'm assuming that's about Dick really? Halloran or something. <laughs> okay, well, it says here, was suppo- it was supposed to be a sequel to Dr. Sleep, but the disappointing financial gross of that film put Halloran on hold. So maybe that's something we might see one of these days. I don't know, but... That could be interesting. I, I would like to see that, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see how his developing. You know, I don't know if that. Well, I don't even know what the story is. No, I would assume it's him as younger. You know, when he had the Shining and everything, up to the point and where he came into the the Shining movie at. And the fact I that would assume. he always talks about how his grandma had it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. you would imagine he comes from a long line of people with the Shine or whatever. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, there was some mess up stuff that happened to him. You know, just going back to <laughs> the book. Oh yeah, oh, especially yeah. the book version. Oh, yeah. back to the original Shining. Yeah, that was talked about in the original Shining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and uh, is that not at the beginning of Doctor Sleep where he talks about what happened to him and his grandpa? His yeah, yeah, his granddad. Um, yeah, in the book, that's way more messed up than in the movie version. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really messed up. So, <laughs> I don't know if a, mo- a mainstream movie would want to touch that. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. All they do is all they do is mention the fact that he he was abused by his his. His, his grandfather was drunk, right, and abused him. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. basically all that they mentioned in Dr. Sleep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go listen to or read the book. <laughs> it's much more messed up. <laughs> and if you decide to listen to it, listen to it on Audible. Yeah, with your free Audible trial at audibletrial.com slash book show. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently, obviously, Mike Flanagan, you know, he's got uh, deep roots in the, the Stephen King uh, uh, books and everything and, and uh, the shows and all that stuff. So, um you can see where the pedigree comes from there. All right, so it stars Ewan McGregor as Dan Torrance, which is, this is the 30-something years later version of little Danny Torrance from The Shining. But Ewan McGregor, I mean, where do you start? This dude's got a deep, deep resume. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on IMDb, it always lists like the top four they're known for. 
he's known for Moulin Rouge, Train Spotting, August Osage County, and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Which uh, I'm sure we could do better than that. Come on, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> well you know they got to mention star wars and no matter what star wars movie it is you know they're gonna mention that one <laughs> yeah I, I, look, i'm not saying don't mention star mention star wars but at least give them credit for like uh i don't know episode two, for other movie, other episode two or three or, or uh <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's yeah, true. Uh, true yeah yeah could have picked two or three yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's tr- i think uh you know base, basically when you look back on his uh filmography train spotting is probably the first place you would have seen him more than likely I think oh, that yeah. was kind of his first yeah. big uh, breakout. At least for me. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he honestly, he hadn't done much. Uh, he'd only been acting for a few years before that. And, and most of it was like, you know, TV miniseries and stuff like that. So, like, nothing you probably would have heard of until Train Spotting. It took off from there. Although he was in an episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt back in uh, 1996. Oh. <laughs> so that'd be interesting. It's the episode called Cold War. So that'd be an interesting uh, to go back and watch that episode and see how he was in that but then he took off from there i mean a number of tv shows and whatnot probably his huge biggest breakout mainstream role was playing the younger version of obi-wan kenobi in uh the star wars prequels like we said but you would know him from a number of things now i mean ever since then i mean his his uh star is uh he's he's one of the top actors in in the game these days you know big fish the island angels and demons one of willie's favorites uh nanny mcphee returns Oh, finally. Um, <laughs> finally, we get to talk about Nanny McPhee. <laughs> now, let me wax poetic about Nanny McPhee. <laughs> if only he was in Rocket Man, we could mention Harlan Williams and Rocket Man again, because uh, that's been a, running, it's been a running theme. But I'll just go ahead and mention <laughs> it now and just get it out of the way, just in case anyone else is connected to Harlan Williams or Rocket Man. But yeah, fact, we, the next episode, we'll be doing the Rocket yeah. Man. <laughs> we might as well just get it over with. Pull off the Band-Aid. It also stars Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat. Um, hey, hold on. Can, can I jump in really quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the, 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 the people that were uh, up for the role of Danny, besides Ewan McGregor, was uh, Dan Stevens. I'm not really familiar with him, but he's been in like uh, a handful of things. Uh, I guess his biggest thing here lately was uh, Downton Abbey. Chris Evans, mm. Matt Smith, and Jeremy Reiner. <sighs> That's that's an odd collection of guys. It is, it is. I'm just trying to, I'm I'm picturing them all quickly in my mind. I think they probably chose the best one. Yeah, it'd be odd to have Captain America as, yeah, as yeah, uh, Danny. No, that would no. Did you say uh, Matt Stone? No, that, Matt Smith. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> now that's a different movie. That's a totally different movie now. Yeah, they probably chose the right dude. I mean, out of those names you say, I mean, like not not to knock those other guys. They're all good in their own ways. Just. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they could play the drunk, kind of beat down, haggard from the years of having to deal with the, the Shining and everything, and everything that happened to his, him and his parents and everything. Like, I don't know if uh, any of those dudes could have pulled it off as good as Ewan McGregor did. Here, let me put this to you a different way. Their options were Obi-Wan Kenobi, some guy from Downton Abbey, <laughs> Captain America, Doctor Who, or Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, all good. The they're all right. strong. With now, Jeremy Renner, <laughs> Jeremy Renner might have been able to pull it off out of any of those guys. Just that's just in my opinion, a little bit better, but definitely not Chris Evans. I mean, he's good, but I just don't know if he would have been able to do this. I don't know if he would have been able to. I don't know if I could see. I don't think I could see him as the older version of Danny Torrance, yeah, anyways. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, he's just, too. It's Captain America. He's too. You know, I don't know. Just yeah. 
to a Hollywood handsome type of guy to play this role. I don't know, you know. But anyways, yeah. So Rebecca Ferguson plays Rose the Hat. You would uh, know her from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which was the one that came out in 2015, which I don't even know what number that is on those. There's like 18 of those things now, right? I don't know. There's at least, what, five or six of those Mission Impossible movies now? Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure which one that <laughs> yeah. was, but yeah, she was in that one. And... Uh, I guess the newer one, Mission Impossible Fallout, she plays the same character in those. So I guess that'd probably be the biggest things people would know her from other than this. And uh, she was in that movie from 2017 Life. It seems like I recall seeing that. Yeah, yeah, that was the one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. That Outer was Space it. movie with Yeah, the... yeah, yeah, and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah, I think I did see that. Apparently she's going to be in the new version of Dune coming out uh, oh. at some point. God knows when movies are actually going to be coming out, you know. <laughs> uh <laughs> Don't don't really pay attention to the dates right now on anything coming. Whenever that comes out, she's going to be in that. It also stars Kylie Curran. I guess that's how you say her name. That is the uh, the older version of uh, Abra Abra Stone. Oh. I guess when she gets a little older, you know how there's like what is it, eight years later or whatever. You know the the main version of her. Um, through the back half of the movie, this would be pretty much the only thing you'd know her from. I mean, she's only got three credits, actress credits. Before this, she was in a movie called I Can, I Will, I Did. Then this, and then uh, apparently she's in a TV series called Sulphur Springs. I guess they're doing the pilot for that. Stars Cliff Curtis as Billy Freeman. This is uh, the guy that kind of helps out Dan when he comes to town. Kind of, you know, takes him to the AA meetings and helps him out. Now, immediately, I recognized him from Fear the Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. But he's also been in Sunshine, The Dark Horse, Whale Rider, 10,000 BC. I mean, he's got over 60 acting credits that date all the way back to the early 90s, all the way back to 1991. So he's... He's been in a handful of things, you know, probably mostly just character acting type stuff and, and on TV and stuff. He's one of those dudes, right? Oh, that's that guy. Stars Zane McLarnon. It's Crow Daddy. He's kind of the Rose's right hand, Rose the Hat's uh, right hand man who kind of like goes out and does things for her and does the detective work and digs around for uh, for whatever people or kids they can go steal their uh, steam from. On IMDb, it says you would uh, he's best known for Into the West, Strike One, this movie, and in the show Dangerous Minds. Apparently, he had a recurring role in that for uh, a year a year or so there. He was also, it uh, seems like I might recall this too, he had a role in Westworld. I'm assuming that's the first season of Westworld. Just a bunch of TV shows and, uh, and, and movies over the years that date all the way, literally all the way back to 1988. Uh, the only thing missing here I see is uh, an appearance on the Love Boat. Uh, otherwise, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go from uh, 95 to 2000, he was a uh, recurring role on Walker. Yeah, well, that's pretty close. Like so, <laughs> so now I think we're finding. The <laughs> yeah, com yeah. I think I'm finding the common denominator when you look through IMDb. Okay, I, I think I'm finding out the the formula. They've either been in an episode of The Love Boat, Walker, Texas Ranger, or Baywatch. You know, <laughs> if their career started sometime, say before 2000, they were in one of those three shows. He was also in Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this dude also was in Baywatch, so he ha he's actually hit two of the ones that I just mentioned. <laughs> And that uh, Hulk Hogan TV show, Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> yes! He is the greatest actor alive. Hulk Hogan, of course. He is? Hulk Hogan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it also stars Emily Allen Lind as Snakebite Andy. She's kind of the 15-year-old the blonde-haired girl that they kind of uh, take into the true knot early in the movie. It's funny, like, she plays 15 in this movie. Uh, well, I mean, it's probably... She's actually... Oh, let me do quick math... She's about 18. Born in 2002. Yeah, she's, yeah, <laughs> she's a, a, a little over 18, but um, she has 41 acting credits. So she's been at it since uh, she was very young, all the way back to 2008. So she would have been um, six years old. 
<laughs> so yeah, she's been doing it for a while. Uh, th- those are most of the, the the main ones. I mean, like you know, the main characters there. Um, Bruce Greenwood, who, who has a small role in this, um, he's been in a ton of stuff. You'd recognize he, he's uh, Doctor John. You know, the guy that uh, is the doctor, the leader of the AA meetings when he first starts going. Yeah, you've seen that dude in a ton of stuff. I mean, says he's best known for. Uh, remember, he plays Captain Pike. And the new Star Trek movies. Oh. He was in 13 Days, I, Robot, Pike again in Star Trek Into Darkness. Tons of stuff. And I think he was in a couple of, uh, yeah, he was uh, in Gerald's Game, another Stephen King adaptation, you know, a few years back. Handful of other things, TV and movies over the years. It's also fair to note, like, the people that are in this that kind of, like, are in it because they look like the characters from The Shining. Carl Lumbly plays Dick Halloran, which I think he did a pretty good job with it, man. Like, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. The only thing you could say about him is, is you know, he's young. He's younger than than Scatman Crothers was, of course, in the show. Yeah, yeah. As far yeah. as, but other than that, yeah, he he still looks like what you would think Scatman Crothers would look like if he was that young at that age. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I th- really think overall in this movie they did a really good job of finding people to play these roles that look like you know, like you have to commend them in a way for taking that approach as opposed to like doing oh, yeah. CGI versions of. Yeah, 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 because that, that's happened in movies before, and I, and you immediately notice it. Even if it's done really well, you immediately notice that it's a CGI rendering effect of somebody's face to make them look younger or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you, you kind of have to give them hats off there for not going that direction. They could have easily done, like, the CGI Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Scatman and, and Wendy Torrance and little Dan and everything, but in, uh, yeah. Dan Torrance, but instead they cast new people to play those roles, you know, but I think they did a really good job. And, you know, the thing that kind of grabs me about, about that, and I agree, I a hundred percent agree. I remember going and seeing this movie and, and, and thinking like, man, those people looked a lot like the people that were in the shining. But part of me wonders, you know, with, with the fact that, you know, there's so many deep fakes out there now, why is that being put in movies? Because uh, some of those look really good. I have to imagine that the process must be expensive to do on an enormous scale. It's one thing to do it on like a, a two or three minute clip of a movie and change like, you know, Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future to t- turn him into Jim Carrey or something like that, right? But when you're creating an entirely feature film out of it, it's probably a painstaking, very expensive process, I would imagine. You know, who knows? I, I, maybe that's why they just haven't done it on that scale, you know? You have seen it, though, in some, like, you know, more recent movies, like even in the Star, uh, the Star Wars movies. Um, yeah. Was it Peter Cushing's role, which I'm blanking on what his name was in Star Wars? Oh, uh, Count Dooku? No, no, no. Oh, my Peter, God. Oh, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. That was Christopher Lee. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. Peter no. Cushing was... Uh... Peter Cushing. Remember, he was in the original trilogy. Peter, uh, Graham Off Tarkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graham Off Tarkin. Graham Off Tarkin. Yeah, remember, they put him in uh, one of the Star Wars movies, and I thought that looked pretty good. But once again, it's in small snippets. You know, it's not like... It's not like you're doing an entire movie with this, you know, so that'd be hard to pull off. Back to Doctor Sleep, I commend them for not going that route, honestly. Like, I think it was better just kind of like using new actors to kind of fulfill those roles and then moving forward, you know. Alex Esso plays Wendy, the diff, this version of Wendy Torrance, which uh, she's not quite as homely as uh, Shelley Duvall. Um, but, <laughs> I was going to say something really mean, but yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to find. No. <laughs> well, they couldn't go cast the real olive oil, so, you know, they had to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but she does pretty, especially that one part. They did a really good job of recreating the scene where, you know, Jack busts through the, the door. The door. And, and yeah. she's standing there oh, with yeah. the knife. Like, they did a really good job with her, or she did in particular, is what I mean, of acting just like Shelley Duvall did right there in that moment. 
I mean, it looked almost yep. like shot for shot. Like, damn, yeah. you know, it's, they did a good job with that. By the way, I, I thought this was interesting. I can't remember if we brought it up during the, the Shining episode. Uh, apparently, they they had made in The Shining, like, some weaker doors. Uh, you know, so so it wouldn't be, like, such an effort to, to cut right. through the door with the axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it turns out that uh, apparently Jack Nicholson, at some time before that, was a volunteer firefighter. So he was chopping through the doors too easily and they had to put the real doors back in. He's <laughs> <laughs> like paper. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah. Like he actually knew what he was doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Uh, cut. <laughs> Start over again. And like we said, Kubrick was going to do 142 takes anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Roger Dell Floyd plays young Danny Torrance. I think once again, you know, they found a kid that looks, you know, similar enough and he did a good job with it. So in, and, and uh, Dr. Sleep, they just, t- they just credit him as the bartender, but uh, ah. it is Henry Thomas playing uh, basically the role of Jack Nicholson. It's Jack Torrance, but remember, they, he calls himself Lloyd. I don't know if they directly ever come right out and say it's Jack, but you know what I mean? Like, you know who it is, right? And like I said in the credits, they call him the bartender, but you would remember him most as Elliot from E.T. That's him, <laughs> the little boy from <laughs> E.T. Oh, he was also, the, the. did you guys watch The Haunting of Hill House? Which I've mentioned a couple I times. I still need to finish it. I haven't, I started it, but I didn't get to finish it all yet. He plays uh, the dad, a number of other things. But yeah, those will be the things you'd, you'd notice him from the most, specifically E.T. <laughs> Never heard of it. Which, uh, uh, extraterrestrial, uh, never, uh, um, so yeah, Entertainment uh, tonight? <laughs> I guess before we get into the, uh, the blow by blow here, was there anything you guys, uh, in particular wanted to point out or talk about before we get into it? I think just that they, like, like we just talked about with the scenes where they go back to sort of shooting the same scenes that happened in The Shining. I think they did a great job with the scenes themselves. Like regardless of you know, the actors, uh, they did a good job, but just the setting just had to be a tremendous process just to get all those things nuances right with the hotel with all the different setups for the the uh stu- you know the what do you call it the uh, set shots and everything and it, it like i'm a big i'm big on nostalgia i know some people aren't necessarily but i'm big on nostalgic type stuff like that definitely evoke that original feel for me and once again hats off because they could you, you would think they could have just easily uh pulled scenes from the original movie oh yeah yeah. You know, and a lot of that stuff, just like mm-hmm. reinsert it here, you know. But from what I could tell, I don't think they did that. It looks like they well, were... actually, uh, I think at least one of the shots was the, uh, the 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 slow pan shot at the beginning of The Shining. Oh, okay. Uh, flying over. Apparently. Oh, they, uh, yeah. Later on back... in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they went back and uh, color corrected that, and that's what was used in uh, Doctor Sleep. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Was I it the see. nighttime shot, like the landscape shot where the camera's yep. going over that? Yeah, okay. Because, yep. yeah, that's cool because it was the daytime in the original Shining, and this yeah. one is at, supposed to be at night or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think they uh, digitally added uh, some snow. I was thinking that they just, you know, they recreated the shot, but. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, yeah. But still, by and large, it looks like they didn't rely on that, so that, you know, they, which they could have easily done, right? And let's just pull some yep. footage of uh, the little Danny you know, riding the trike through the halls. You know, let's just reuse that. No, they've reshot it. Oh, yeah, no, it's a different kid. I mean, if you go back and uh, you, yeah, you uh, can see the, the kid's uh, face side by side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one kid has uh, slightly curly hair. The other kid has straight hair. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 did a bang up job on recreating it for sure. And of course, that iconic the, the carpet is iconic. Not just that orange and brown carpet outside, but. In the room 237, where they had that green, pink, and purple carpet with yeah. the shell looking. They made sure, of course, that they had all those little nuances right as well. I would say the the, the other thing that, that I just wanted to mention is uh, the original Danny Torrance from The Shining is actually in this movie. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah that's what I meant to, to do before this was to find out who he was, because then I forgot to do that, to find out 
Uh, apparently, he's just uh, one of the guys at the baseball game yeah, where it, the it, kid get, gets abducted. It's I'm pretty um, sure it's the guy, you know, right there, like he said, where the, the, the little boy is out there playing baseball. Crow Daddy is sitting in the crowd watching. And there's like these two dads or these two guys sitting there talking about yeah that number nineteen talking about getting recruited or something yeah like. yeah that number nineteen he's gonna be <laughs> okay. he's gonna be the shit one day you know basically is what they say I'm pretty sure that's the that's him that's Danny Lloyd uh. <laughs> that guy that's, uh, that says those couple of lines there so that's pretty cool especially since the dude yeah. has been retired from acting for uh, give or take thirty eight years yeah because I actually did see something about that apparently Mike Flanagan reached out to him on like direct message on Twitter. <laughs> Like that's how like hey would you be interested in uh in this yeah sure let's do it <laughs> I think it was a oh, like, hey, Danny Torrance no, uh, no you haven't acted for thirty some odd years then you can't play Danny Torrance but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's intermission. It's intermission. It's intermission. It's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade too, and there's a hot dog waiting for you. your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the snack For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, I'm just looking down through the uh, the top horror, you know, when you, when you just go on Audible and you type in horror just to see some of the top handful of things that are on there. You can check out The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. Let's see, The Demonic. Supernatural Horror Series Book 1 by Lee Mountford. Dark Harvest, Warhammer Horror by Josh Reynolds. Here's one, 50 classic horror short stories. Works by Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, Arthur Conan Doyle, and many more. So, I mean, that's, and that's almost 16 hours of old school horror tales right there. So, that that would be a cool listen for anybody right there. And it's pretty much uh, dirt cheap, too. It says regular price, 94 cents right now. So, (laughs) I don't know how long that'll hold, but yeah, that's a... That sounds like a pretty good deal, I mean, if you just want to listen to some uh, classic horror tales. Henrietta and Eleanor, a retelling of Jekyll and Hyde. That's that's actually an audible original drama. Um, So it's based on the original Robert Louis Stevenson, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think they switched to genders kind of thing, you know, like it's women instead of a man. Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde? Yeah. Wait, no, that was a a hand film. I was about to say, that sounds like a black exploitation movie. Uh, No, there was. I think there was one of those too, but no, I think this yeah. one was the hammer. <laughs> so clearly, even like uh, uh, you can go uh, EC Comics, you know, the Vault of Horror. Uh, they have, I guess, they read some on there. I, I don't know exactly how that works with comics because you know it is kind of a visual medium, but uh, apparently that's a thing on Audible. So you can go check that out. It's almost nine hours right there. So as you can see, I mean, there's tons of uh, examples of stuff on there and uh, mysteries, thrillers. I mean, just about just about every. I wouldn't say every, but most major book release has some audio book version of it. And a good portion of those are probably found on Audible. So uh, to download your free audio book today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. All right, so uh, once again, I'll reiterate before we get into this. Smoke and I watch the director's cut, so that's what I'm going to be describing. I'll try to point out the differences where I can. So, you know, if you get a chance, watch that version. If not, you know, it's not that big a deal. But, you know, some of these things you'll probably want to see if you enjoyed it, you know, if you've seen it before. All right, so I guess with that, we'll go ahead and uh, get into the movie here. So the film itself starts basically kind of like with the same music. It's not exactly the same music from The Shining, but it's pretty close, right? I, mean, I think it's like a newer version of it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys... Because I think the original uh, 
makes its appearance later, right, in the movie during that. Yeah, I, I don't think you hear, during, hear once that. Once we get to it later on. Yeah, I don't think you hear that version until like later on in the movie when they're mm-hmm. um, yeah. going back to the Overlook or whatever. Going back up, yeah. So yeah. I think you kind of yeah, get... Like, like, it's a newly recorded version, right? Yeah, the, yeah, of uh, that. But it's basically kind of the same thing. I mean, you get the gist of it. Also here, this is right, right out the gates is where you see a, a difference between the director's cut and the theatrical cut. The films, I'm reading straight from IMDb where they, they list all the differences between the alternate versions. The film's title card is now shown in the beginning, and the new cut is broken down into six chapters via their own respective chapter cards. So I, I, if I'm not mistaken, in the theatrical cut, you don't necessarily see, throughout this movie, you see chapter one, blah, 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 chapter two, blah, 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 chapter three, so on. Um, I could be mistaken, but the way I read that is in the theatrical cut, you don't see this. But in this one, you do. So you hear the music, and then it says Florida, 1980. And this is where you're introduced to Ro- uh, to Rose the Hat. And she's uh, kind of like out by a lake with this little girl who's looking for flowers. And uh, her name is Violet. And uh, she's talking to her, like doing a little magic trick or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, someone, this dude appears in the woods. And then, you know, they talk. And then you look back, and now there's like five or six dudes or, you know, people standing there staring at them in the woods. And then they all just kind of like come at her real fast and attack her. Then as it turns out, the girl is gone. Like she, you know, they, they grabbed a hold of her and took off with her. Now, once again, director's cut for a uh, difference here in the prologue, which this is the prologue. There's extra dialogue by Rose on secret places and finding roses, you know, when she's talking to the little girl, Violet, and then assuring Violet uh, that she's not going to scare her. After Violet gets caught, her mother searches for her only to find a, a van column driving away before it fades to black. So when you see in the director's cut, you see the mom standing there like calling out for her daughter. She can't find her. And you see a bunch of RVs and vans and stuff like leaving the park back behind her. So apparently you don't through see. Through the trees, right? Yeah, yeah, through yeah. The... They're just, they're leaning out and then it fades to black. This is where you see on the screen, it says chapter one, old ghosts. And then you see uh, the video or the old uh, throwback or flashback, whatever, of Danny riding the trike around in the overlook. Um, and he comes up on room 237, of course. He opens the door, and then the uh, old lady appears. You know, the, the, old, the old lady, the old gross lady in the tub. She appears, and then he wakes up. And it's kind of like these like little flashback scenes, too, right? Like he's, It's like he's kind of like having these flashbacks of the night before because he wakes up drunk. So he's kind of like yeah. remembering like what happened, what the fuck happened the night before. You know, like he got into a bar fight and all this. Once again, another difference in the director's cut right here. In young Danny's first scene, the ghost of Mrs. Massey appearing in the house bathtub. So apparently that's, uh, we, we just call her the old tub hag, right? <laughs> but that's her name. Yeah. <laughs> Waterlogged tub hag. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ghost of Mrs. Massey appears in the house bathtub is shown in full. So when Wendy enters the bathroom, a wet footprint is visible on the tub's mat. So mm. that, so you know, we're, we're reaching that so here. Like Willie with, did not have the benefit of seeing the full frontal rotted corpse shot yeah apparently in the uh, theatrical cut massive. you don't see her like stand up out of the out of the tub um <laughs> wait what in the young version oh come on nope nope it's the <laughs> no, old tub hag version, version. The rotted version. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that is pretty that is a pretty cool scene though when like uh he's kind of freaked out and comes out and then she mm-hmm. uh she puts him back to bed or whatever and then wendy goes in there and she, of course, she doesn't see anything, but then there's footprints on the bath mat. On the mat, bath mat, yeah. yeah. Which I'm pretty sure that was in the book as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah, it was. I can only reference up to a certain point with the book, so you have to help me there. <laughs> Since I'm only about a quarter <laughs> of a way through it, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. So then, like, it cuts to uh, Halloran talking to Danny on a bench, like, out in the park. He's telling him about, like, how there's, uh, there are dark things out there that are uh, that are kind of hungry 
for those that shine like they want to steal the shine and then he teaches them how to like put these uh these bad memories and the bad things like you know the tub lady and stuff like that he tells them to put them in a box inside of his mind so like he, he actually gives them like this little box you know and tells them like you know picture this box learn this box put it in your mind and then like whenever you want there's something you want to put away in that box like the tub lady or something you can kind of lock her away and another director's uh, cut version difference here. When Halloran talks to young Danny, there's more dialogue touching on the events that occurred in The Shining. Halloran describes the Overlook Hotel as mosquitoes landing on blood and a similar event that occurred to himself before. So this is like we referenced earlier where he's talking about like things that happened. Halloran's talking about things that happened to him when he was younger with his grandpa, how he kept coming back and he could like actually smell the death on him and his fingernails were longer and all that. So apparently like in the director's cut... Oh, that's just a little longer. So then uh, Wendy comes running like because she doesn't even know where Danny is. And then when he turns around, Halloran's gone. So this right here is where you finally get the connection between like the books mm -hmm. and the movies in terms of like, you know, in the movie, Halloran is dead because Jack, you know, axed him literally in the chest. And <laughs> as soon as he <laughs> arrives at the Overlook in The Shining, he's dead. So at first I'm like, huh, they're going to play it like the book, you know, where Halloran didn't die in the books. Mm. But no, he's he's dead. And he, I guess he just kind of comes to Danny in his mind, you know, it's kind of like a, I guess an apparition kind of thing, you know, where it's like, you know, he, he's still connected to him, even though he's dead, he can come to him and talk to him. It's like the shining. It's like the force, right? Yoda and Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, <laughs> Halloran's a force ghost now. <laughs> a force shining. Yeah. <laughs> he's a shine ghost. So then like back to when, when Danny goes back home this time, like he sees the tub lady, you know, the, the dried up tub lady in the tub. And she's like about to get out or whatever. And this time he just goes straight in there, closes the door. And then you hear her scream. And then he comes out like, yep, I'm all good. <laughs> so clearly he just went in there and like locked her up in his mind. Um, or became a man. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is what I was referencing a second. That's in the extra, extra the director's cut version that we don't have. It. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this, this leads into what I was referencing a minute ago where like uh, older Danny wakes up and he's drunk and he's hung over. And uh, he's kind of having flashbacks of what happened the night before, so I kind of got ahead of myself there. Um, but then on the screen it says New Jersey, 2011. So now that's that's your date right there. So now you are 31 years after the events of the Shining. Yeah, shining events. Yeah, at this point, you know, in, until here in, in a little bit. So he's kind of like recalling the night before, like how he got in a bar fight, and then he ended up taking this girl back to her house and you know having sex. So he gets up and he looks at his wallet. Like he gets dressed, looks at his wallet, realizes all of his money's gone, and he probably spent it all on cocaine or whatever. So he goes into her wallet and takes her money. And then he looks over and like, how old would you guess this kid is that walks into the room? Like a year and a half, two years old, yeah, give probably. or take. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's a little just kid. Just walks in and then like he just basically just picks the kid up, puts it on the bed with his mom, which is she's passed out drunk over there. I, even Isn't she like even laying in her own yak or something? Yeah. I think kind of. Yeah, because so, yeah. Yeah, he gets something. <laughs> He sees her there with the throw up, and he throws up. Yeah. <laughs> that he, first that scene. He kind of uh, just picks <laughs> the kid up, uh, hands him a pack of Cheez-Its, and sits him back on the bed, takes the money, and just leaves, which is pretty rugged. Um, yeah. Which clearly haunts him a little bit later on, which, you know, you see that here in a bit. Then you see on the bottom, it says, uh, now, I think this is another difference with the director's cut. You, on the bottom, it says, Aniston, New Hampshire. Um, and you see this little girl playing a piano. And her parents are like, all right, it's time to stop that and come on up to bed. And they put her to bed. And all of a sudden, they hear the piano playing. And they go downstairs, and the piano is playing by itself. 
even though she's upstairs asleep. It's only like, you know, what, a two minute scene, but yeah, apparently that was cut out. Like that wasn't in there at all. It's clearly alluding to like something's going on with this little girl, you know, she's got something going on and you know, we'll come back to that later on. So then uh, on, the, on the bottom of the screen, it says, on the bottom of the screen, it says Long Island, New York. And this is where you're introduced to Snakebite Andy. Uh, she's in, she's in like a movie theater watching an old movie. And then this, uh, older dude comes in and like, you know, basically, uh, I guess like they have a date set up or something and, uh, he's clearly only there for one thing, you know, and then she just like basically like whispers into his ear, like, uh, tells him to go to sleep and then she cuts him on his face and then tells him like, every time you see this cut in the mirror, you'll remember, um, that, uh, what happened here or something like that. Right. She tells him to say something to herself, like I like little kids or something like that. Um, every time he oh, it's where he'll have to repeat that out loud, right? Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> you know, yeah. basically, that she has some kind of ability to make people do things. Meanwhile, uh, Rose the Hat and Crow Daddy are like sitting like three or four rows back, and they're watching her do this. So when she leaves the theater, they approach her outside, and then they uh, basically kind of lay it out like, you know, we want you to be a part of our little group. Danny, who's been, you know, kind of a sad sack at this point, you know, just kind of a drunk, just moving from town to town, he grabs the bus uh, and takes the bus to New Hampshire. Um, then you cut back to there's a, a party for little Abra. Uh, and then, like, there's this magician doing tricks and stuff like that. And she's, oh, I can do that. And then later on, in, uh, like, he's doing some tricks with some spoons or something, right? Like, he's got hanging off his nose or something. Yeah. And then later on in the house, the parents come in, like, they're cleaning everything up. And they come in the house and they go into the kitchen and silverware is laying everywhere. And they look up and all the spoons are, like, kind of, like, hanging from the ceiling. And then I think they turn around and Abra's standing there and she's like, ta-da, or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So clearly she has some ability. Oh, and then right before that, too, is now there's a continuity error there. I don't know if you read about that. Uh, and Willie might have seen it or not, but when she's doing the, or when the magician's doing the magic act outside, mm-hmm. uh, he walks over to her and in the, well, in the original version, this is not there. In the original version, it just all of a sudden she's got a magic wand in her hand that she didn't have before in the scene, mm-hmm. previous scene. But in the extended director's cut, it shows the magician walking over there to her and handing her the wand and saying something to her about magic acts and all this. And, and then he walks back over to the table and he does the, the rabbit trick. And mm. he takes the rabbit over to her. Well, I don't know why. I guess that, that was just a continuity area they didn't catch that they trimmed that scene down. And she yeah, just, yeah. It just looks like she didn't have the magic wand and then all of a sudden she has a magic wand. Probably one of those final cut kind of things where they did it. Like, well, we're not mm-hmm. reshooting it for this. Like, if somebody catches it, yeah. so be it, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all up in this, what I've just described, apparently there's a short scene explaining how Danny arrived in Fraser by buying a bus ticket. Another similar scene appears later, which which sets up Abra's first meeting with Danny in person. During little Abra's birthday party, there's more shots with the magician performing tricks, followed by another short exchange between David and Lucy where they're talking about, like, uh, her nap time or something. So it's just, like, little things like this, you know, where they, they take out these little things where it probably doesn't affect the movie too much, but, you know, when they're added in there, it does add something to it, you know. And that, that goes back to the where I saw it back in November in the theater, then seeing it this time, I didn't really... You know, there are a lot of subtle things I didn't notice without going back and reading that article about some of the differences. Yeah. I mean, there was a few that I did, but a lot of it, a lot of it, you just wouldn't even notice if you saw them far enough apart. Now, in this scene where, you know, uh, Abra makes the spoons float, you know, whatever, and she says, ta-da, or whatever the hell, Rose, the hat, and Danny actually kind of feel the shine when this happens. Like, they, I guess there's like a little shine quake, or whatever the hell you want to call it, you know, like, where they realize something has just happened, right? There's been a little... There's been uh, a little movement. Disturbance in the force. Yeah, yeah, there's been a disturbance (laughs) in the force, you know, so to speak. So they actually feel it. All right, so now you see the title title card, Chapter 2, Empty Devils. This is where Rose, like, I guess, Rose the Hat actually kind of offers a spot to Andy in the true knot and kind of explains what it is. And I think uh, the director's cut has more of this 
there's just more dialogue here of the emphasis and the importance of the true knot and everything uh, and Andy's alliance to her. Then you see that uh, on the screen it says Fraser, New Hampshire. Uh, Danny arrives in town and he immediately meets uh, this guy named Billy Freeman who like instantly uh, takes him in and helps him out. Like uh, helps him get like a, a room at, at like the, you know, I don't even know what the hell it's like a halfway house or something, I guess it is. Then you have the whole scene where there's the true knot ritual for Andy where they like induct her into the club, so to speak, right? You see this whole mm-hmm. scene where, uh, you know, they kind of like uh, f- fill her with the steam or whatever the hell, and it's, it's very painful. Isn't there like a, I think there's a dream here, too, that Danny has where he uh, he sees the dead woman again. No, no, he they, okay, this is the scene where I was referencing earlier. Danny wakes up, and then there's an arm around him, and he looks, and like it's the, it's the woman that he slept with mm-hmm. in the other town or it's whatever. It's the one-year-older. Yeah, yeah, and she's yeah. dead, and the baby is dead next to like, This is a pretty fucked up scene. We're like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where, where the baby yeah, turns around creepy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the baby turns around and it's dead too so after that um billy takes danny to an aa meeting and uh this is where he meets the doctor which you know i talked about her dr john or whatever his name was and he tells him about a missing watch or like uh he looks like he sees that the guy is missing his watch and then he tells him exactly where it's at so then like the uh the doctor questions him like how the hell did you know where this watch was or whatever and then you know they kind of have a little bit of a discussion i think this is more this is bigger in uh, the director's cut version. It says, during Danny's first AA session with Billy, two short scenes have been put back in. Dr. Dalton asks whether if there's any new person joining the session, and then later on, an exchange referencing Billy's brother Frankie. So it's just a little bit more added there to that whole scene. After Snakebite Andy's initiation to the true knot, she learns that she was out for a few days, then goes to hug Grandpa Flick. This immediately follows by Lucy calming little Abra down. Oh, we need to go back one moment to the... We were talking about the AA meeting guy where he's talking about the watch, right? Yeah. Missing watch and everything, and where he goes to the guy's office afterwards to talk. Did y'all notice that office at all? That was that it was a complete recreation of almost complete recreation of the office in the original Shining where Jack has his interview. Yep. Oh, uh, Ullman's office. Yeah, yep. Ullman's office is. I like didn't really a notice it, but now that you say that, that yeah, you kind of in your head, you kind of think, yeah, you're right. I think you're. I think. You're and I guess that's on. just not. I don't think it was right. I don't think it was plot wise. I don't know if they in the book it's talks about that, does it? Willie? I mention makes any mention of it, of. You're that. Well, I, don't, I don't. I don't remember anything about that. No. I would guess that it was just a subtle nod to for fans of The Shining to notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just call back. Yeah. I, I, there's a but few of the. Cool. There's a few of those things that we'll point out along the way here that are yeah. <laughs> clearly just uh, little nods to the uh, the original movie. Like even him sitting behind the desk was the same as kind of Ullman sitting behind the, the the camera shot in that window was exactly the same too. You know, mm. I yeah, think the there's American flag in the flag same on the spot. Yeah. 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 So then, like Danny take, gets like a job at like a hospice care place or something, and this cat walks into a room, and uh, the old man's like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna die." Like you know, no, you're not. Yeah, like anytime this cat comes into the room. Uh, you're a goner, basically. So then he kind of like helps the guy. I think the guy even calls him like Doctor Sleep, right, or something like that. I think this is yeah, where it said, yeah. yeah, like where he kind of like in title credits right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Sleep, and then they all point at the camera and it says the end. <laughs> that was in the director's cut. What you didn't, you guys didn't see? That? That's how it is. The director's cut is only you know forty five minutes long. <laughs> they do an Animal House freeze frame right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then a uh, horse falls out and they can't get out of the office. Um, so, yeah, the, the, uh, he kind of helps the old man uh, pass away, basically. And you, I think you can actually kind of see his steam or whatever, right? That's what they always call it in the movie. Yeah. His spirit, mm-hmm. whatever that is, you know, right? You can see it coming out of him it's when not. he breathes out. And then Danny, right after this, comes home. And, and uh, there's like uh, one of the walls has like that chalk paint on it so you can write on it. 
and uh, when he walks in, it says, hello. Now, uh, I'd probably be a little freaked by that myself, but he's just kind of like, oh, well, that's nice. And he walks over and says hi on it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But then when he writes hi on there, it cuts to Abra, like, uh, you know, in her bed at home, you know, miles away. She just kind of giggles, right, when he writes hi back to her. And this is also where you see Chapter 3, Little Spy. And this is also what I referenced earlier, where this is one of those scenes that was cut out, where you see the gold room at the Overlook. And it kind of zooms in on a uh, glass of whiskey sitting on that counter, you know, that that bar, I'm sorry, in the uh, gold room, you know, from straight from The Shining, which I thought that was kind of cool, too. You know, like just, Mm -hmm. oh, shit, you know, like there's the there's you're you're starting to see your connection, you know, like something's still going. Something is still going on there at the Overlook is kind of what you're thinking, you know, when you see this. Then the uh, title says eight years later. So now you're almost up to current times. Right. Because this 2011. So that, yeah, that would have been like current time-wise than when this movie came out so now you're in 2019 uh 39 years after the you know what happened happened in the uh overlook in the shining dan is at an aa meeting again and he celebrate he kind of like celebrates for his dad like the fact that like you know he's eight years sober and uh you know he would imagine that his dad would like to be here too but he didn't get that opportunity kind of thing once again in the director's cut there's more of this in the second uh in this second aa sequence danny talks more about his father and his broken arm so you know there's kind of more reference to what happened back in the you know when Danny was younger and everything, and it just talks more about his dad there. So there's there's more dialogue there. So then another old man has the, uh, like I said, this is eight years later. So now he's still working there at the uh, the, the old the old folks' home. And there's another old man with a cat once again sitting on his lap. <laughs> Uh, so he kind of helps this guy passing passing uh, into the great beyond. Apparently, there's more um, dialogue here in the director's cut version too. Like he talks longer to the old man and he tells him, and Danny tells him more about the relation, uh, about his relation, like this old man's relationship, um, to his kids and everything. You know, he's kind of giving him the, uh, the fact that he knows a lot about him, you know, cause he can read his mind. So then Danny comes home after this and then morning is written on the wall and he, he writes another message back to him. Like, you know, go to school or something like that. Right. They check back in on the true not group. And uh, uh, Crow Daddy is telling Rose that, like, they need some, uh, everybody needs some more steam. They haven't ate in a while. So she's got, like, these uh, uh, thermos cans that literally have, like, uh, the steam essence in the cans. You know, I guess, like, when they haven't found anybody in a while, they crack one of these cans open and they just feed off of it. So she cracks one open and they all feed on the steam. The title says, Adair, Iowa. And this is where the Little League game scene where you see Danny Lloyd in the stands. This is the scene. Um, basically the true knock group comes in and they kidnap the boy and then they take him, uh, like out to this, uh, like, uh, I don't even, what, what was it? Like, a, a an electrical building or something like, it's like this little area where, where, you know, like mm. no one would really go. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but they take him out there and they kill him and they take his steam cause they're like pain helps the steam or something like that. Right. So they're like repeatedly stabbing him and cutting him and stuff like that. Uh, to get more uh, pure steam out of them. In the director's cut, there's more of this added. Apparently, there's more explicit shots of Bradley's death. Yeah, I think some of the blood was wasn't there in the theatrical cut. I mean, there was some blood in the scene, but I think there was more. Yeah, I mean, it goes on for cut. it goes on for a few minutes, man. Like it's not like yeah, a, it's yeah. not like a stab stab. Uh, let's take what we can get, and, and, and that's it for this. I mean, like in this cut, man, like you're sitting there watching it for a few minutes. Yeah. Like they're just torturing this boy, and like the you know blood everywhere, and just. The steam keeps coming out and they just keep stabbing him and stuff. I mean, it's pretty brutal. Mm. And then it says immediately after Rose is furious that she could not have a few more extra minutes of harvesting his smoke. Like basically he just died too soon for them to, 
you know, for her to get everything she wanted to out of them. Also, the grave digging shot is now composited in front of the red rum message as Danny stares at it. So I guess it's just, you know, a, a slightly different angle and cut of everything there. So then, like, right after this, like I said, the red rum appears on Danny's wall. Like, it, it almost, like, busts into the wall because, like, yeah. I guess Abra gets, like... Like, uh, do that chalkboard thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Abra gets, like, connected to, to this event happening when it happens, I guess, when the boy's dying and he calls out. And uh, then Abra sends a message to Danny's wall. It says, Red Rum, real big. And then she writes, Baseball Boy, on there, so he sees this. While this is going on, too, while they're feeding on the boy, Rose actually feels Abra watching him. It's another one of those Force Ghosts kind of thing, I guess, you know, <laughs> or another Disturbance in the Force kind of moments where, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, she feels like, oh, shit, somebody's watching here, you know, because she feels it. Abra actually goes and, like, looks it up on the internet and finds a pic of the missing boy and then kind of hones up, hones in on it. And, like, so she finds basically where the boy's body is. Right after this, Abra and Rose connect minds. Like, while uh, Rose the Hat is, like, in a grocery store, Rose is kind of, like, focusing in and looking, like, at this the freezer section of the grocery store, like one of those glass doors. And then Abra, uh, I guess, force pushes her, however you want. <laughs> she shine pushes <laughs> She shine pushes her. There's like, a lot of Star Wars references. Yeah. Well, it's very oh. similar here, you know. Um... <laughs> But she kind of, like, uh, pushes her with her mind, like, throws her halfway across the grocery store and breaks the window and everything. So, like, then Rose knows, like, this is, like, this girl is very powerful, right? You know, now she realizes it. And right when this happened, Danny also went down, too, wherever he was, like, in his bed or whatever the hell he was doing. Uh, he got thrown, too. Like, there was so much power at play here. He kind of got tossed across the room as well. Crow Daddy and Rose and everything, they realized they want Abra. When the, uh, in the director's cut, it says, when the true knot finds out about Abra, Rose and Crow Daddy debate on uh, neither killing nor turning her before she walks out of her trailer. And then the chapter four title card shows up next, which is uh, chapter four, Turn World. So they actually have like a small debate, like, you know, we're not going to turn her into one of us, but we're also not going to kill her. We're going to, like, milk her like a cow, you know? <laughs> we're just going to have her <laughs> yeah. around and take take her when we need, you know, take the steam when we need it. Which, I mean, would make sense if you were them, you know, thinking, you know, that this is the most powerful one that they've yet found, you know, and then the, I don't know if we mentioned about the fact that the steam, it's like they're vampires, right? The steam makes them live longer, not immortally. It adds age to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, they're like psychic vampires, basically, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and one that's really super strong, well, you could probably live off or feed off of that for years to come yeah so chapter four turn world uh abra finds danny and uh they talk like she actually goes and finds danny in the town you know like a few towns over whatever she rides the bus uh and goes and finds danny and then they meet for the first time uh and they talk about the shining and then uh, she tells him about the true knot like there's these people going around and doing this shit um in the director's cut in abra and danny's first meeting in person she talks from her point of view of using her shining abilities and her motives behind it Danny warns her further. So he's clearly like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be, you know, you're kind of poking in some stuff you shouldn't be poking in. You probably shouldn't do this. She tells him like, yeah, you know, about the boy and everything. And she wants to go find him. He's like, nope, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your head down. Be quiet. Yeah. Don't let him see you. Don't let him find you. All right. Now <laughs> you go to the next scene. Danny's back at the, uh, the hospice care, right? The old folks home. And he sees the cat, that same cat going to a room where he knows no one is in there, right? Like he knows this is an empty room. Do you notice what he's sitting there reading? Mm-mm. I catch that. He's reading the exact same issue of Playgirl oh, really? from, from 1978 <laughs> or whatever the hell it was <laughs> that Jack is reading in The Shining. It's the exact the same issue. When he was waiting yeah, for yeah. <laughs> Go back and look at it. It's that same damn issue of Playgirl again. <laughs> it's funny how you sometimes don't notice. You know, like, I, I mean, 
it's right there in your face, but you don't even know. Like, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it in the theater when it was 30 feet high or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Now, I think it's also extra funny in this one. Like, you can almost forgive it, you know, uh, back when Jack did it at the Overlook. Like, well, maybe it's just a magazine sitting around, and he just grabs it and starts reading it, right? And maybe that's the case <laughs> here, but... By this point, it's a 42-year-old magazine, so like, that means he probably would have had to have seeked this out. Either that or I guess you, maybe maybe he takes it out of one of the old folks' uh, room or something like that. Who knows? Who but, keeps that one around because yeah. that's their favorite. <laughs> their favorite 1978 cover of Playgirl. Yeah. It was the one play. with Burt Reynolds. I mean, what can you say? The one with Burt Reynolds in it, so of course they would. Not Playboy. Not Playboy. Not Playgirl. Yeah, let's, let's emphasize Playgirl. Um <laughs> So he goes into this room where he knows there's no one there. And then uh, Dick Halloran's standing in there. And he kind of tells him, like, all right, this is one of the last times I'm going to, or this is the last time I'm going to be able to come to you, but you need to go help Abra. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny, too, here, where he's like, uh, why has it got to be me? Why have I got to help her? He's like, well, all you did is walk into my kitchen 40 years ago, and I'm still stuck with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm still on the hook. That's yeah, how yeah I'm still on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on the hook 30-something-odd 30, 30 years later. Now, I thought it was pretty cool, though, for uh, fans of uh, Stephen King books and the Gunslinger series. Haller, Dick Halloran tells him Ka is a wheel, Doc. Now, in, in the Gunslinger books, Ka is like their word for destiny. And they always, then the Gunslinger says that a lot through like all those seven or eight books or whatever. He says, Ka is a wheel. So that's a pretty cool little uh, Gunslinger reference right there that Halloran. So that means there's clearly some connection on some level to uh, from The Shining and Doctor Sleep and uh, the Gunslinger series. Actually, there's a, there's a couple more things like uh, there are there... the kids buried. Uh-huh. Blanking on the name of the company, but that's a company oh, name yeah. from. It was uh, the ethanol, something ethanol, right? Is an ethanol yeah. building, uh, ethanol factory. Or something. I have to go back and look at the name of that, but you're probably right. I mean, like that 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 series is connected to almost everything Stephen King has done on some level. Not all of yeah, it, did you but notice, a great deal of it. Obviously, I haven't read the the Dark Tower books, but just going through and reading this, did you did you notice what number the baseball player was? 19. 19. <laughs> 19. Yep. Oh, yeah. And there are other connections, too. Like, I th I'm pretty sure the psychic vampire type stuff, pretty sure that's in the Dark Tower series and so on, on a different level, but kind of the same thing. Just I'm, And I believe the bus company as well is something along those lines, too. Which is probably something we should have looked up. Here are all the connections to the Dark Tower series. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool one, though, that Halloran says, cause a wheel, Doc. You know, that... That's a direct reference for sure. So now the true knot has a lead on where Abra is, and then like Rose, like you know, well now we we pretty we're pretty sure we know exactly where she's at. So like she kind of like takes a mind trip, and kind of flies to <laughs> where Abra lives, and then like Abra goes or uh, Rose goes in like she's in her mind right, but like it's like she's in her bedroom, and uh, Abra like basically uh, sets up like a little trap for her, uh, traps her hand inside of like her little memory files or whatever. So it really, like, cuts the shit out of her hand, like, messes it up because she couldn't get her hand out. Then when she, like, she basically kicks her out, like, fly, you know, like, boots her out of her mind and makes her fly all the way back and, like, fall off the top of the RV she's sitting on. Her hand is actually, like, injured in real life, too. And then pretty much right as this is going on, like, right after this is going on, like, they come running up like Grandpa Flick is dying. So they go over to him and you watch him, like, uh... His spirit. What what did they call it? Uh, oh yeah, turnover. Right? Is it turn the turning, turning uh, or something like that? Something like that. Something along those lines. Where basically he dies. So like he, he kind of. It's yeah. almost like he flickers. Like you know, it's like he's there and then you see his skull, and then he's there again. Kind of. It's like he's fading, and then when he just dies, like they just kind of disappear in a puff of smoke, and then all of them just kind of descend on it. Like that, <laughs> it's funny. Like they're all kind of standing. Like damn, you know, grandpa. And then whoosh, they all just. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> go in and like start uh, eating a steam. A couple of the uh, uh, differences here in the director's cut. Right in here, there is another flashback between Wendy and young Danny, which makes clear that she's still struggling with the loss of Jack. It's a very brief scene, but like it's like she won't look him in the eyes. She looks mm. at him and then briefly turns away, kind of thing. So you can clearly see that she's still bothered by the fact that like you know a short time after this that Jack is gone. The whole uh, thing about uh, that we talked about with Halloran and the cause of Will apparently that is elaborated on further um, in the director's cut than it is in the theatrical cut. So I guess it's a little bit longer dialogue there from Halloran. Also, the clues were when Crow Daddy comes up and interrupts Rose's meditation with the news of an, an, an unusual earthquake, which gives them clues of where to find Abra. And he also reveals a plan on how to abduct her and suggest having Andy to guard Rose, but she he was turned down. So, you know, that was in there. That wasn't in the theatrical. Hey, by the way, uh, the bus was Tet Transit. Probably in reference to the, uh, like, that's also what uh, Roland, the gunslinger, that's what he calls his group in the Dark Tower series. <laughs> he calls it a Ka-Tet. So it's Ka, the Destiny, Tet, I guess it's like a group or something. So they're like a group of Destiny. And then uh, where the uh, where Bradley Trevor gets killed, the sign says Lamerck Industries. That sounds familiar. <laughs> like, it's been a while since I read yeah. all those books, but that does sound familiar. I think that might have uh, been like... Builds killer robots. Yeah. I think that might have been like <laughs> around like book four or five, three, four or five, somewhere around in there where they go to like some place where there's uh, there's like these rusted up robots and shit that like don't work anymore. And then they come back to life and like they have to fight them, something like that. It, it's a, it, I'm telling you, it, it's a deep dive, dude. But it's some good stuff, and how they go <laughs> in that Dark Tower series and how they go in and out of some of his other books. It's crazy. Like uh, in one, in, in a little part of it, they're in the world of the Stand. You know, all mm -hmm. of a sudden they're just like in the world of the Stand and everything that has happened. You know, <laughs> in the years afterwards, and then they leave from there, and then all of a sudden. Uh, they're dealing with Pennywise or some version of him. Then there's shit from Salem's Lot. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, but it, it's pretty cool. It's definitely worth the uh, the dive into reading those books and all that. And I can't wait until they make a proper uh, movie or TV show out of it. And they finally get their shit together and do it right. <laughs> but uh, Abra tells Danny what happened while he and Billy go to find the boy in Iowa. Danny has decided, like, all right, we're going to go find this kid, this the baseball boy, right? And he get, and he gets Billy and he tells Billy what's going on. Like, even though you may not believe this, you need to listen. I'm about to tell you everything, and I need your help. Um, so they go to this place in Iowa. They find they find the exact spot where the uh, the boy was uh, buried, and they dig him up, and they find him um, dead underground, like in a shallow grave. Then you see the title card, Chapter Five: Parlor Tricks. And this is I, I'd say this is about where you know things start to ratchet up for sure. You know, starting around this time. Mm -hmm. So they find Danny and Billy. They finally go to Abra's dad, and they tell him about what's going on because now you know like all right we need to get your parents involved we need to tell them whether you like it or not um he kind of fights back a little bit but you know i guess he kind of gets the understanding that like they her parents know there's something going on you know with their daughter so you know he kind of comes to accept it pretty fast so then they decide to go set up a trap for the true knot at the, like this part like a state park somewhere right like a few miles away they basically set up like an ambush trap where it looks like abra is sitting there on a table and when they come up on her to, to get a hold of her, like, you know, they, they do the old, like, mind switcheroo. <laughs> she she even, like, stabs Abra in the neck with, like, a syringe. And then she looks looks away and turns around and she just uh, stabbed, like, a teddy bear or something. Like a stuffed teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like a stuffed rabbit. <laughs> that's where she's like, parlor tricks, you know. And then all hell breaks loose. And, like, Billy and Danny are up in the trees with, like, a couple sniper rifles, like, picking them off. And they pretty much kill all of them and all the members of the True Knot because Rose wasn't with them. But pretty much all of the members of the True Knot go down here except for the Crow Daddy. Um, but Andy, who can like make 
you know, remember a snake bite Annie, she can kind of make people do what she wants them to do. She right, like he, she gets shot. She's dying, and like the last thing she does is she looks up at Billy and tells him to kill himself, and then he just takes a shotgun and uh, blows his brains out, and then she dies, which was a pretty fucked up scene. <laughs> Crow Daddy, during all this, he still manages to uh, grab a hold of Abra and take off. After, or no, no, that that's where that, that's where the old switcheroo was. I'm sorry. So like Abra was never really there. Danny and Billy ambush all of the True Knot, except for Crow Daddy. He had, he had circled back and went to Abra's house, where Abra really was. So he actually goes there and kills Abra's dad and kidnaps Abra. While they're still, you know, Danny's still basically by himself now at the park after, you know, all the shooting dies down and Billy's dead. Also, they move on pretty quick after that, right? Like, <laughs> Billy's dead. We should do something about this. Now, now let's just move on and keep doing what we're doing here. <laughs> Are we ever going to address? Nope, nope. Um <laughs> Well, and I'm guessing maybe a little bit of that is because Billy is dramatically older in the book, mm-hmm. and he also doesn't die. So is it, does he play in the books? Does he play a further part from this? Or oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, um, right up to the very end. Huh? Yeah, I don't know why they. I don't know why they decide to go that way in the movie. I guess cause just what? because of the, the the uniqueness of like all right, Andy being able to tell him to kill himself. Boom, he's done. You know, I guess. Yeah, it makes for yeah. a cooler scene than like this guy hanging around for the better end, you know. I guess, but <laughs> I, I, I think I think it also adds a little bit more gravity to the to the to how, the situation. Yeah, you how know? serious like, this yeah, is. Yeah, when one of them gets killed. If, yeah, yeah, because I mean, if if nobody gets killed, like like while while it's a good book, if nobody gets killed, the girl was in danger, but was she? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Especially as powerful as she is, you know. Yeah. As you come to find out, Dan connects with his mind back with Abra, and then uh, he helps her basically uh have crow daddy drive the damn van she's in into a tree because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. so like uh they kind of used the the old mind the jedi mind trick and get him to drive it straight into a tree and then he flies out the windshield and dies then rose once this happens she kind of like feels that this has happened so she goes over and starts like inhaling all the cans of steams because like she's lost the whole group now they're pretty much all dead except for her so now she's got like all this you know i guess the the steam superpowers going on she <laughs> The she, mega nut. Yeah, she's super. <laughs> she's super, super shine. Juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was coming. It was coming. Yes. <laughs> so then Dan finally finds Abra in person, and then they start. Uh, he start. They just start driving west. He's like, "Where are we going? We're going back to. I know this place where uh, the bad things like this, like they're even worse than these people. So that's where we're going. So they're going to the Overlook. All right, so, <laughs> so let's take a child." <laughs> I'm going to take a child straight into the worst fucking possible place I could pro- probably take a child. <laughs> going back to some of the differences in the director's cut about what we just talked about. At the uh, Stone family, you know, Abra's house, Billy and Danny had a talk with uh, her dad before Abra shows David her abilities, including a flashback of Bradley's death. Also, Crow Daddy kidnapping Abra and the killing of David is shown in full. So, like, in the in the theatrical cut, you don't really see it. I guess you just come to the conclusion that, you know, he kidnapped her and killed her dad. But in the director's cut, you actually see this happen. Like you see him grab her, and you see uh, pretty much most of the act of of him killing her dad. All right, so now chapter six, what was forgotten? So this is the last chapter of the movie. Now this is where it's uh, full shining mode now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is where you see the sweeping aerial shots, like like uh, we mentioned earlier, that are basically the same shots, just uh, digitally digitally touched up. And then you hear the music. And the music, yep. <laughs> that iconic music. Yeah. Uh, which I'm going to have to post that on the Facebook page. I think I mentioned in the Shining episode that we did that that comes from a classical piece way back when, like, Hector Berlioz's The Dream of the Witch's Sabbath. 
I had to post that on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. So they now arrive at the Overlook. And uh, he tells Aber to stay in the car because he has to go inside and wake it up. Because they come up to it and, like, it's completely dark, right? You know, it's just a, a quiet, no lights are on or anything like that. And it's boarded up and everything. So uh, yeah. he goes into the uh, hotel and then immediately goes down to the boiler room and, like, turns the power on and the gas. And then he goes back up to the uh, to the old apartment where, you know, him and his parents lived while they were there. You know, their little living quarters. And you can see the holes in the door where, you know, Jack had uh, busted through the, you know, the two doors. Uh, mm. And then and then the last door, he even looks into it kind of like his dad did, you know, like the here's Johnny moment. <laughs> Except he doesn't, he doesn't do the, the whole maniacal part. He just kind of looks through the hole, right? So you kind of get that image of uh, what happened there. I think you this is where you even see the flash of his mom, like when he looks through the door and then there's like that little cut. Wendy's mm. standing there like screaming because he's coming through or whatever. I think it's kind of where you see the little flashback part of that. And I guess this is a little bit of an issue, you know, between the book and the in the movie. In in the book, The Shining, the the, the, the hotel blows up. In, in the movie, the the, the the hotel is still there, right? But they know that people have died in there in the past. So what was different about Jack and uh, Jack dying and, and Dick Halloran dying in there that made it shut it down this time? Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> yeah, they just shut it down after that and let it rot. Like, I don't think it would have been yeah. that easy, you know <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible thing, but I don't think they just completely like shutter it up and say fuck it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they just uh, you know they went on for a few years afterwards. They just you know had to pay extra for the murder room. Yeah. Left the door the way it is with the red rom on it. <laughs> yeah, oh two thirty seven. So then he uh, Dan goes to the gold room, you know the ballroom, and the glass, uh, the whiskey glass on the counter is still sitting there. So he sits down at the bar. Now, uh, in the director's cut, in the Overlook's hotel, in the Overlook Hotel's bar, there's more dialogue here between Danny and Jack slash Lloyd. He specifically talks about his childhood and using his ability one more time to fix Wendy's nightmare. He also reveals that he being alcoholic cost him eight years of his life. Danny talking to, or he, you know, he basically thinks it's his dad, but it's not really his dad, right? It's just another spirit in this uh, fucked up hotel. But uh, the bartender Lloyd that looks like his dad, you know, there's basically more dialogue there explaining what happened to them after that night. You know, like, yeah, m- mom was never right. You know, we were never right. There were good years or there were good times, but, you know, everything sucked. You know, and uh, I became an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's just more of that while he's sitting there talking to him. And then, like, during this, like, Jack pours him a drink, you know, or the bartender, I guess they call him, pours him a drink, and, he, you know, they're just talking back and forth. He kind of knocks the drink off or something like that, and some of the drink gets on him, so they go into the restroom, and it's that same, like, white and red uh, bathroom yeah. from The Shining, and he's cleaning his, uh, uh, you know, his shirt off where the, the booze got on him or whatever, and he's kind of trying to tell him to basically... Uh, leave Abra to her own devices, like, fuck her, you know, right? <laughs> kind of like the same speech that uh, Grady gave Jack, yeah, you know, like, Jack. <laughs> you need to yeah. take care of your business. And in this case, he's just like, yeah, just, what What should I do? Don't do anything. Just fuck her, you know, basically. <laughs> leave, leave, her, <laughs> leave her to die. It doesn't matter. So then uh, Abra calls Dan, you, you know, kind of calls out to him because Rose is coming. She can see her coming up the mountain path there. And the director's cut there, following their conversation, Lloyd takes Danny into the infamous red washroom and cleans him up. There he stirs up Danny against Abra. So I guess there's just a little bit more of that, which from what I can tell is pretty much one of the last main differences uh, between the director's cut and the theatrical cut at that point. Rose goes inside the hotel and then she turns and sees the blood elevator shot. You knew this was coming at some point, right? Like, oh, yeah. you, had to see, <laughs> you had to see the blood elevator 
And sure enough, you know, she just kind of stands there and watches it and, just, <laughs> and then walks away. <laughs> then uh, Abra's, uh, they're, like, they're standing in that library, you know, where Jack would sit there and type at the table. Danny and Abra are standing up on top of the steps, and he's holding the axe when she walks in. And uh, she kind of comes toward him, and then, like, all of a sudden now, like, uh, Rose is in that maze outside. And she's walking around, like, following, looking for Abra. As she's, like, she's standing there facing Abra, uh, Abra's like rushing at her and like cutting her on the back of the leg like with a scalpel or a knife or something like cutting her on the back of the leg like she cuts her like you know three or four times and then eventually Rose grabs a hold of her and then as it turns out it was all like a mind trick from uh, Danny right like none of that was real and then she approaches him up on the steps like he tells Abra like run um, she comes up Rose comes up the steps and it's just like that scene where Jack is coming up towards Wendy when she's holding the bat Give me the bat, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's what I noticed, too. I'm going to bash your fucking brains. <laughs> bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> it's a, kind of a replay of that whole scene, except, you know, he's kind of got the axe, and he swings it. Like, I think she he cuts her with it, but then she takes it from him. And, like, th- this is kind of weird, yeah. because, like, she, that must be the sharpest fucking axe ever right there, because, mm-hmm. like, she kind of, like, weakly <laughs> swings it around, and, like, it ends up, like, sticking in his leg, like... It, yeah, the, the pointed end, right? The jab, yeah, jab yeah, like, into a steamroll. Yeah, yeah. She and then like he <laughs> goes, uh, then she tosses him down the steps, so he goes all the way down. Then she comes up and uh, like starts feeding on him, like you know, like pushing her finger into the wound on his leg, so like you know the pain makes the steam come out, right? And then she's like, "Oh, what are these boxes inside your mind?" You're like, "Now she's re- she's inside of his head," and then he just unlocks all the boxes and all the fucking overlooked monsters. Yeah. And you see like a long line of all, all these boxes too. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Clear- <laughs> Clearly, he's been uh, hiding, all, repressing all of his memories for, you know, the last 30 years or so, you know. <laughs> um, and he just kind of unleashes them all at once. They basically grab a hold of Rose, and they just tear her apart, and they feed on her. Then they turn around and look at Danny's. Like, uh, I think even the twins walk up and say the old, uh, don't you want to play with yeah. us forever? Play with us forever. And ever. <laughs> and ever. <laughs> um, and this is where I was kind of confused a little bit. So I, I'm assuming there that like they killed Danny and he's a part of the hotel now. What was y'all's interpretation of that? I mean, cause I didn't quite, I would, yeah, almost like what happened with his dad right in the, in the actual shining right? in the first shine where he's, where he's, you know, he's just part of it now. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah. Will, is that what you figured here? Like once they attack him and whatever, unless there's more in the book, I don't know if there's more to the book to that than in the book. Then see, this is where I'm getting confused now because it's been a while since I've seen the movie and I'm remembering the book. So I don't remember oh, yeah. what happened where, or what do you recall then from the book or whatever it is you're recalling? What, what do you, I mean, did I you... don't necessarily remember what happens right there, but at the end of the, in, 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 at the end of the movie, uh, he's standing in front of the boiler. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to that shortly. But I just mean, like, in terms of, like, so, like, right after this, uh, they turn on Danny. Abra, uh, like, she's down, she's down, like, one of the hallways or whatever because she doesn't run away, and then she sees the twins. Then she turns around, and Danny's chasing her. And he's chasing With her. With the axe. And yeah, he's got the axe. Eye. Yeah, yeah, and, like, one of his <laughs> eyes is all white, and the other one's, like, you know, normal. And, uh, like, it's almost like he's become a part of things now, right? Like, he's chasing her, and, like, it's like a recreation, so to speak, of, like, Jack chasing danny around in the shining now she, yeah, he's chasing her I think, I think all right yeah I, I think what what that to me was uh you know they they, they kind of took over danny the way jack got taken over mm. during the shining like he's not dead but he's he's being you know pretty much controlled by the hotel now i, I guess i can see it either way i mean i was kind of i wouldn't necessarily say confused i just didn't know exactly how to interpret it like was he dead and now he's 
a part of things because clearly he tries to kick out, right? Like he's chasing her and everything, but then he eventually, uh, she hides in room 237, of course. Mm. Um, <laughs> also, by the way, I forgot to mention this earlier on. One of those rooms, you know, where when Danny's working at the uh, hospice, you know, the old folks home, whatever it was, one of those rooms mm-hmm. that he walks into, I'm pretty sure it was 217, you know, which was the room <laughs> was in, the, in the book. You a know, nod the, to the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, I could go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that room was 217. <laughs> so, of course, Abra yeah, goes. There's probably a lot of stuff that, like I said, that n- neither of the three of us even caught <laughs> yeah, from, yeah. from The Shining, you know, or nods to anything within the Stephen King universe. Yeah, I mean, there's so the many that we, that we all collectively have caught. But there's probably so many more that we haven't yet. Yeah, exactly. oh, I'm sure, yeah. So, of course, the best place to hide is room 237. And, of course, she sees the tub woman, you know, getting out of the tub. But then, like, she basically books it out of there. And uh, uh, I, I guess Dan, Danny comes in there and, like, they kind of face off for a second. He t- and she kind of he kind of comes back to normal Danny for a second there long enough to tell her to get the fuck out, basically. Yeah. And she runs out of the hotel. And uh, then Danny goes down to the boiler room. And, uh, like, uh, he's about to turn it off, like, you know, to save the hotel or whatever, you know, like, stop this from happening. But then he kind of stops himself and doesn't, and then just kind of sits down in front of the boiler. He sees his mom. Th- this is kind of a cool scene. Like, all of a sudden, he's a little boy again, and his mom comes up you know, and kind of, like, touches his face. And then that's right when the boiler blows. The whole hotel catches on fire. Back at home, Danny, who's now, like, he's kind of like Dick Halloran now, right? He's kind of like uh, Abra's Force Ghost, <laughs> kind of now. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is funny because it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Um, yeah. He keep, basically he keeps t- uh, tells her to shine on. Basically, you know, basically the summation of the conversation here. You know, <laughs> keep uh, keep the shining. You know? Start playing the tribal music and the credits. No. Yeah. But this is pretty cool. But basically, the final thing you see is like Abra's alone at home now with her mom, and you know this is life now because her dad's dad is uh, dead, so it's her and her mom now. You know, um, and she goes toward, towards the bathroom and she looks and the tub woman is in the bathtub and stands up. Abra goes straight into the room and closes the door. Credits. <laughs> you don't hear any screaming or anything, but you can imagine tub woman's, uh, she's toast at this point. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Abra is definitely far more powerful than Danny was, or at least she's, more, ta- she, or at least she's more tapped into it, I should say. Yeah. I would assume probably, too, she's probably far more accepting of all this. Than Danny probably ever really was just because of what happened with his dad and everything. Mm-hmm. He probably yeah. kind of pushed it back down and didn't, you know, didn't pursue it as much as she's kind of embraced it. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, Dr. Sleep from 2019. The, uh, the film adaptation of Stephen King's 2013 novel. I guess with that, Will, uh, what's your star rating on this puppy? I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give this one a four. Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, obviously, it had to diverge from the uh, book quite a bit because of what happened in The Shining. I think there are some things that the movie does well that the book I don't think did as well, and and vice versa. But overall, I thought I thought it was a pretty good movie. All right, so, uh, Smoke, what do you say? I say I'm going with uh, three and a half stars for me. It's uh, so I think it's a great movie. I mean, I still enjoy The Shining a little bit more. You know, it, I, it doesn't overtake The Shining for me. Any, uh, and I think I gave The Shining four stars, right? Uh, I think pretty you, sure. uh, I think I'm pretty sure you get four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, we gave it four and a half across the board for that one. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's and actually, our friend uh, Adam Portress, who does the film pine, when I posted, uh, I posted that I was watching uh, the Doctor Sleep on my Facebook page, and, and he commented and said uh, something to the effect of, you know, this this one's better than The Shining, so come at me, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so he likes it. So some people do like this, you know, better. For me personally, I. 
I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like isolated environments, the way that the original Shining was. It's one of the reasons why the John Carpenter's The Thing, or even the original Thing from Another World, for that matter, is also way up on my list. Is that just being isolated from the rest of humanity and these things going on in, in a horror movie that makes it a bit more on edge, I guess, for me. Storyline-wise, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought this movie was great. I think it carried on the events from The Shining and did well with, uh, with that storyline. Solid three and a half for me. Uh, myself, I think I'm going to go with a four. And I, obviously, th- this isn't The Shining. I don't even think uh, Mike Flanagan and, you know, and, uh, and all of them set out to uh, necessarily outdo The Shining. But I think to pay homage to it and make something new from it, you know, from Stephen King's mm-hmm. um, source. But um, I, I think it's v- very well done. And uh, my opinion might be different if I had just seen the theatrical cut. I, I don't know. You know, I guess we'll never know. But I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, it's got it's piqued my interest to watch the other version and and to finish reading the book. So, if nothing else has succeeded there, right? I'm gonna go four stars for myself. Um, just you know, half a star below The Shining, you know where it belongs because it's not The Shining, but it's it's pretty it's damn well done. I'll say that. And I and I enjoyed uh, the three hours of <laughs> of the director's cut. It's not very often you can like really enjoy a three plus hour movie. You know, like. Really step back oh, yeah. and say, man, that was fucking awesome. For me, that you know that, that ranks it pretty high, so I'm going to go with four stars. Smoke, did you do the, uh, what do you think for the gore score? Gore score, I'd probably go with, uh, I mean, because it's, it's got its moments. It, you know, well, <laughs> the baseball kid, that yeah, was. Especially in the director's It wasn't cut. like super gory. It was a lot of, it was blood in that scene, but just the impact of, that's just a messed up scene, you know, especially in the uh, the director's cut, right? Something they, didn't, more. something they didn't shy away from in this movie was doing stuff to kids. Yeah, yeah. that's And, I mean, then you got the, you got Stephen King's It, too, which is like that as well. Because, oh, you know, yeah. it's all pretty much affecting kids. So. Uh, this movie, no. This movie, the, <laughs> it's affecting kids because I guess they try to catch them when they're young because their shine is more potent, I guess, right? I guess so, yeah. I think it's more pure or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, according to the book, uh, as you get older... Uh, like the shine diminishes. So then, yeah, you got that, and then you have uh, some of the other scenes. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty painful when uh, Rose the Hat's hand gets caught, you know, in the in the file cabinet, at, quote unquote, from mm-hmm. inside uh, Abra's mind, you know? mm-hmm. and then she's ripping her hand out of the thing, and the skin's coming off. But you, you've got scenes some some gore like that, and then I would give it a good. Uh, I would say at least the. Uh, I mean, it's, it's again, it's not a movie that's about gore and splatter and all that things i I would give it a five i would say yeah i think that's the same score you gave for uh the shining so it's probably on par with that yeah because neither of those movies are really about visceral violence necessarily yeah but there's also things in there that you would shy away like if your kids for some reason are in the room yeah oh yeah there's certain now that's seen the baseball kids if if your kid's sitting around watching this what the fuck's wrong with you but if your kid is watching this, then... <laughs> you just want to make sure that they don't do anything they're not supposed to. Don't walk home by yourself. You just want to put them properly in their place. So watch this scene with the with the boy getting bludgeoned to death while they take his soul. Um, yeah, I could agree with that. Will, did you do the uh, the, the old kill count for this? Uh, well, from, from what I remember, I would say there was about 12 name characters that, that got killed in this. The reason I put it this way is because I kind of lost track in the... Uh, ambush at the park oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> with the gunfire gun right, fire right. So, and everything well they I'm take they take I'm out a... the true knot yeah 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 I, i'm gonna say there was probably about three or four extra characters that were just kind of uh background true knot characters yeah <laughs> i want to say there was probably at least six there yeah give or take uh and, so, and like you said you really it, only like uh, got speaking lines from about three of them you know outside of rose yeah so. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I would say probably somewhere in the 16 range. 
Mm-hmm. All right, well, there you have it. That's 2019's Dr. Sleep. So, uh, obviously, we all en- enjoyed it, and we highly recommend it. For our next episode, we're going to we're gonna be watching another classic. I mean, we've kind of... Did all- it. What? what? What's that noise? Did it. Uh, we're kind of on a roll with watching some of the, the horror classics. Did it. We just watched did it. Did The Shining. Did it. Did it. Did it. And then did currently did Dr. Did Sleep, did and then... It. Ah! Jaws from 1975. <laughs> We're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> really, folks, at this point, do you need any fucking uh, synopsis? But I'll give it to you anyways. When a killer shark <laughs> unleashes chaos on a beach community, it's up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Are you I'm- sure we're not watching the Meg? <laughs> Which is clearly the better of the two shark movies, right? <laughs> This will seem like a walk in the park. This movie is two hours and four minutes compared to what we just uh, did over the last two movies. So, <laughs> But yeah, so next time we'll be watching the original Jaws from 1975, like one of the modern day uh, classics of all cinema, not just uh, horror related or thriller or whatever. I mean, it's just one of one of the best movies of uh, the last 50 years or so. Um, it also just so happens to be the 45th anniversary uh, on uh, of this year, on June twentieth of this year, which we're obviously passed, but um, it's n- uh, no better time than the present to to talk about Jaws. And like uh, I think Smoke alluded to earlier, there was a new four K version that just recently came out. We'll be checking that out. So uh, if you if you, for whatever reason you've never seen Jaws, what the hell's wrong with you? But go plug it in. <laughs> you can go find. I mean, it seems like they play it nonstop on AMC or something like that. You know, <laughs> like at least once a week. So it shouldn't be too hard to track it down and watch a copy of it. Uh, I guess if you, do you guys got anything else to add before we uh, close up shop here? Don't go swimming with bow-legged women? <laughs> or 40-foot <laughs> great white sharks? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like an old sea ditty. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, I guess for Will and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh, and we are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we will talk to you next time for Jaws. Midnight were the stars at you. Midnight and a rendezvous. message tender saying I surrender all my love to you please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car we'll be grateful and so will the patrons who follow you